Welcome back, friends, to the Walk in the Light podcast, and good morning. Today we are talking about our freedom in Christ. Now, before we go on to that, there are two points that we would like to cover from last week's podcast when we talked about sanctification. The first one is the difference between positional and experiential or progressive sanctification. And really what that means is positional sanctification is that we are imbued with the righteousness of Christ. We are positionally sanctified or we are justified. Now, the reason we're even talking about this is we were told to kind of look into this topic and it turns out that there are certain sects of Protestantism that still believe in going to purgatory, that even though you have faith in Christ, you still have to go and pay for your sins longer until Christ can then more further atone for you, which is 100% absolutely ridiculous. And we have a couple of verses that we're going to talk about just quickly, but Josh, do you have any thoughts on that whole idea? Uh, no, I think that's a good lead into uh, uh, our discussion from last week to kind of clear some things up. Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is, let's look at John one twelve. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So I want you to think about being adopted or getting married. Okay. If you were adopted, it's like your parents saying, okay, the adoption process is done. But before we actually take you home, go live on the street for a little while to see if you can handle it. That's right. the silliest thing I've ever heard. It, it's silly. Or imagine you're just newly married. As the church, we are the bridegroom to Christ. Okay. So imagine you get married. And then before you go on the honeymoon or before you get to live your life with your your groom, if you will, which is Christ, they go, okay, even though we're married now, go live on your own for a while and see if you can handle that. And then I'll come and get you. Go live with your mother-in-law before you can live at home with your husband. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And again, a couple of just quick verses to think about. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Again, Romans 15, 7, accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to you. You've already been accepted. You don't have to be accepted a second time. We are positionally sanctified. We are already imbued with the righteousness of God. He doesn't have to do that a second time, whether it be at the end of this life, whether it be in purgatory. All of that is absolutely ridiculous. And what we talked about last week is that progressive sanctification, that constant sanctification from the moment of salvation. We talked about that last week. So if you want to know more about progressive sanctification, listen to our podcast last week. All that is, is being led by the Holy Spirit to do works that are pleasing the Lord's sight and grow in our fruit of the Spirit, things like spirit, uh, um, um, gentleness, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, uh, and that works is not works and for your salvation. It's works as as a servant to Christ and uh, in thankfulness to what he did for us. And we, we covered a lot of things on that topic, but uh, we want to be very clear. It's not works for salvation. It's works as part of your salvation. You're already positionally sanctified. Yes. That progressive is a part of just growing closer to Christ. And that was kind of our second <clears throat> point, which Joss nicely led into. Um, one other thing we wanted to say, and it actually leads into our topic today, is listen, you're free to do anything. As a Christian, you can do anything. That doesn't mean you should. 
And, and actually next week we're talking about limiting our freedom in Christ and how to do that. But when you become a Christian, it's not like a sneaky, oh, hey, we got you. So now that you're a Christian, we told you it was a free gift, but now you have this massive list of all the things you have to do. Now, don't, don't get us wrong. We're not backtracking on what we said last week. We are meant and told to be obedient children growing in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not saying that that's different. However, we do have an awesome freedom in Christ, freedom to serve God and freedom to live and enjoy this life. So it's not one of those things where you have to be like, oh, well, they, they sneakily got me. No, again, we are made to be made righteous. However, it's not this drudging, difficult burden that you have to carry now that you're a Christian. There's a reason that Jesus says, for my yoke is light, my burden is is not heavy, or where I actually have the verse um, later on for today. Yeah, and also, um, and and I don't mean to be confrontational in this, but um, I'm not really sure where this whole idea of purgatory in the sense that you have to serve a punishment still, even though Christ died for our sins and he did it on our behalf, where there's still this purgatory. And so if if somebody has something that proves this theory of purgatory in the sense of punishment after death before you can fully come into the family of God, I would love to hear it, but I, I've i never found it. Uh, I looked into it a little bit this week. I still couldn't find it. Um, it doesn't sound biblical. Um, and I would go further. I, I do want to be confrontational. It's <laughs> yeah. not biblical. It's not biblical at all. And if if you, and, and please, by all means, give us your evidence and we'll talk about it. But as you're looking for evidence, if you're somebody that believes in purgatory, just like anything else, whether it be you could possibly lose your salvation, which is anti-biblical, you might have to serve in purgatory, which is not biblical, that Jesus And the Trinity, Jesus actually isn't God the Father either. You know, he's a separate being. All these things that are not biblical. But if you think you have evidence, I want to remind you to look at the verses in context and look at other evidence and see, okay, maybe the the evidence is overwhelming that there's not purgatory, but there's this verse that's kind of making me stumble a little bit. Listen, if the rest of the Bible is not preaching purgatory, then that probably means you're not interpreting that verse that's kind of making you stumble right. I just, I want you to be careful about that. And again, if you want to bring evidence to us, great, we'll talk about it. But before you bring that evidence, make sure it's actually evidence. Yeah, and I would also say that if you do not believe Jesus Christ is God, um, you're missing out on a key point of the gospel that's a that is a part of your salvation that you are required to believe. Um, So if you don't believe Jesus Christ is God, I would suggest you heavily get into the Bible soon because that actually could be your salvation at risk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I would say it is. (laughs) It is. It It really is. So again, and I I mean, we're kind of going down different rabbit holes, but the whole point is, again, when it comes to the idea of purgatory, Read your Bible and make sure that evidence is actually evidence and we'll talk about it. And for the second part, we're not trying to trick you and saying, hey, come believe this. It's a free gift. But now you have this massive list to do. No, we are free in Christ. We are free indeed. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So our freedom in Christ. What is it? So the verse, the key verses for today's topic is Galatians chapter five, verses one through six. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. B, 
Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Now, I want to quickly say something. This is talking about how we are free in Christ and we are not to be subject again to a yoke of slavery. What is that yoke of slavery? It's a slavery to the law and it's a slavery to sin. Once we are believers, we are broken from that. The other thing I want to quickly point out is that when it says, I testify to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law, you have been severed from Christ. This is not talking about losing your salvation. That's not what this means, okay? And one thing that I would, in my mind, I guess, is if you become a Christian and then you try to go back to the law, the grace and the freedom that you have, it's no use to you. That's what this is saying. Because that grace, that, that gift of grace and freedom that you got, well, you, you decided to turn and go ahead and put those chains back on. So that grace means nothing to you. So don't put those chains back on. Because guess what? You have grace and you have freedom. Also, salvation is a free gift and it requires nothing to keep it. That's what the entire book of Galatians is talking about. Again, if you are concerned or you're not sure about the idea of loss of salvation, I would recommend reading the book of Galatians. It'll change your life. <clears throat> Absolutely. And as believers, we are no longer slaves to sin or the law, but now a slave to God or in a sense, righteousness. So our, our evidence of that, uh, first one anyway, is 1 Timothy chapter 1, 8 through 11. And it says, But we know that the law is good, for if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. Again, if you think we are still under the yoke of the law, look at these verses. Only the lawless and rebellious are held accountable to the law. Christ fulfilled the law for us, therefore we are now no longer held accountable to the law. It is only for the unsaved that the law continues to apply. Exactly. And our second evidence of that that we wanted to uh, point out to you is Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. And it says, Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of the mediator, until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if the law had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everywhere under everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. We were a slave to the law. Exactly. Being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, 
so that we may be justified by faith. But now the faith has come. We are no longer under a tutor, for you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So to summarize that real quick, what is the point of the law? It was to tutor us and to show us that we were in need of a Savior because there was no way that we could keep it. Exactly. And now that we have that Savior, we no longer need the tutor because the tutor did its job. Exactly. And and here it points out the seed, the seed obviously being Jesus Christ. Um, we are we are to understand, like Mark said, now we're now we're under faith and grace um, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we we no longer have a need as believers for the law. Um, and and as we said earlier, we don't need to go back to being slaves of the law or going back to the bondage of the law. No. Nope. So what is the point of this topic? Why are we talking about our freedom in Christ? Well, we have two points, and we're probably only going to be able to cover the first one today, so we don't extend this much longer. We'll go over the second point next week. I guess I kind of misspoke, because the following weeks, then we're going to talk about limiting our freedom in Christ. So the two points that we're talking about is, number one, since we are no longer slaves to sin and the law, we are now slaves to God and our righteousness, which is exemplified via our sanctification. And the, and the second point, which again, if we have time, we might quickly cover today, but most likely next week, is that because we are no longer chained to the law and its requirements, we are now able to have a level of enjoyment in this life free from fear, condemnation, and the dis discipline that the law previously required and or caused. So first, going back to the first point, we are slaves to God and righteousness. So let's give some scripture for that. Romans chapter 6, 20 through 23. Josh, go ahead. And... Sure. So we have, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then uh, deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed, for the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you are derived, derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification, and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. So therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending his son, own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, we're going to keep going. We have more verses for this Romans 8 passage, but I'm going to stop real quick, summarize. So again... We are now no longer under condemnation because we are now no longer under the, the rule of the law. We're no longer slaves to sin and to death. We are now slaves to God and to righteousness. And the mind set on the spirit, the slave to righteousness, is able to please God. We are now free to please God, whereas before we could not please God. We were not free to please God. So continuing on in verse 9. However... 
you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by crying out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So again, to summarize this whole point, before being slaves to sin, there was no way we could please God. We were held under the law. We were in chains to the law. And kind of the whole point of the Old Testament was showing us that we need a Savior because nobody can keep the law. Now that we are in Christ, we are free to serve him. And I think we're doing okay on time. I think we could probably finish this up pretty quickly. So the second point that we wanted to talk about is we are free to serve God, but we're also free to live. There's, I would say, a misunderstanding that people have about Christians, whether they are Christians themselves in a hyper-fundamentalist um, sect of, of Protestantism or people outside the church that just think Christians can have no fun. No, that is not the case. Again, we are free to, one, do anything that we want to. And the verses that talk about that is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. All things are lawful to me. I'm going to stop right there for a second. That doesn't mean that we should do everything because Paul continues. But not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So he says, all things are lawful for me to do, but not all things are profitable. Those things are still fleshly. And I will not be mastered by anything. So even though you have the freedom to do something, if it's going to be a master over you, then don't do it. And then it continues on. Food is for the stomach. And the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. The reason that that verse is in there, if you go back in 1 Corinthians, we're talking about people were worried about the types of meat they could eat, some that were sacrificed to idols, some were not. So Paul is just saying, again, at the end of the day, food is just for the stomach, but our bodies are for the Lord. Yeah, and our bodies are a temple um, in which the Holy Spirit resides. So... Treat it um, as such. Treat it as such. Yeah. So again, we're free to live. Let me give you some <clears throat> verses to kind of prove that. So first is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And this is kind of the key verse here. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think there's this expectation that, again, once you're a Christian, you have this massive book of do's and do nots, and you just can't have any fun. And the fun that you can have is kind of cheesy. I mean, I think that's really what the expectation is. And, and that is simply not the case. Again, we're going to talk about this next week, but 
to sort of give you a preview. The way we limit it is, yes, there are certain things in the Bible that we are pretty clear that you do and do not do. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't blaspheme the Lord. Don't use his name in vain. Don't lie and steal. Those are all things that typically, even in a civilized society, that you do not do. Okay? Everything else past that falls under things like conviction, where it's a gray area, and guess what? You get the freedom to choose what you want to do. However, if the Lord is saying in your heart, if you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit, maybe don't do those things, then don't do it. Because for you, you're not supposed to do it. I'll give an example. Drinking. Yeah. Josh, so, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So one time uh, I had somebody talk to me, and, and the conversation went something like, so then now that you're a Christian, does that mean – uh, you can't drink anymore. And this was after, uh, in the past, we have had a, I had had a few drinks with this person. And so now that I'm a Christian, they, they just assume that, well, I guess drinking is out. So no, no more fun. It's like, no, I can, I can have drinks. Um, and, and I can have as many drinks as I want. I could get stupid drunk if I want. But um, even though I am allowed to drink, maybe it might not be a good idea to get drunk and make bad decisions. So we'll go over more of that kind of stuff next week. But I have the freedom to drink. I have the freedom to drink as much as I want. But the Bible is pretty clear. Don't get drunk. So what do we mean? If, if the Bible is telling you not to do something, then how can we sit here and say that we're free, you're free to do it? What we mean by that is you are free to make bad decisions, even though that may result in either a loss or not gaining rewards. It might result in the Lord disciplining you on here on earth. However, you are free from the result of not being saved, which is these types of sins or these fleshly acts are what would send you to hell. That, that, I mean, that is what we mean. So you are free from having to pay the penalty for sin. That's what we're talking about. So we're not saying here, go out and do whatever you want because you're free to do it. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that, yeah, you could do anything and you one, you're not going to lose your salvation. Two, you're just as loved by God yesterday as you were to today. However, there are reasons and some pretty clear ones to limit that freedom. Because even though, like Paul said, all things are lawful, not all things are profitable. It's lawful for you to drink. It's not profitable for you to get drunk. It's lawful for you to drink. It's really good not to be mas be mastered by alcohol. So a couple more verses before we finish up here. John chapter 8, verses 36. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols. A little bit of backstory. The people in Corinth were worried that they, they shouldn't eat meat because the meat was previously used as sacrifices to idols. And this is what Paul's response was. We know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all are all things and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. So, 
I'm going to give you an extreme example. I actually used this in Bible study, and it was a bit shocking to people. <laughs> but I meant it to be shocking. Imagine, if you will, you were invited to go to somebody's house. And it turns out they are Satanists. And they go, hey, we're going to eat some goat tonight. And it turns out that that goat was sacrificed to Satan. Okay? But they, they drained the goat's blood, and then they butchered it, and now that's what you're having for dinner. What this is saying is, guess what? You're free to eat it, okay? Because at the end of the day, it's just goat. That's all it is. It's just goat. There is no other God but our Heavenly Father himself. No, no matter if it was Baal or, or, or Satan or any other of the countless gods, if, if something was sacrificed to it, you're free to eat the food. This is just kind of an example of the freedom that we have in Christ. And again, it's kind of an extreme example, but I wanted it to be extreme because guess what? Our freedom and the grace that we have is extreme. Well, and we, I think we also have to consider that um, if we're eating a food that has been sacrificed to an idol, regardless of who that idol is, if it's not God, it it might as well. It's just as good as offering it to Satan. It it doesn't really matter if if you're worshiping somebody other than God. I mean, you've already you've already committed a, a major sin. Yeah, an egregious sin. So, so regardless <laughs> if it's Satan or not, it's all the same. And that's again, that's the point. I use an extreme example, something that would shock you today, but it's because guess what? Freedom and grace is shocking. So just remember that we have freedom in Christ. Now, I'm going to say the verses again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. That previews next week's topic, which is limiting our freedom for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our own consciences. And we'll, we'll cover that more in deep, uh, deeply next week. But this podcast is not meant to tell you, hey, go ahead and do whatever you want. No, Paul right there says not all things are profitable. And guess what? A lot of that is very clear in the Bible, what you should and should not be doing. Well, and, and he says here, I but I will not be mastered by anything. So uh, I think what that means is, is, you know, um, we, I believe it was a parable that Jesus had that um, you can't have two masters because you'll hate one and love the other. Well, if you're a master, say, to your master is, say, alcohol over God, you know, you're choosing to love alcohol over God. And I don't mean that in the sense that, you know, you can lose your salvation. But what I mean is, is if you're mastered by something, if you're mastered by alcohol, pornography, uh, gambling. adultery, gambling, whatever it may be, you're you're basically choosing your master in that situation. So even though you have the freedom to do it uh, because of what Christ did for us on the cross, doesn't mean that you should let it become your master to the point where it's giving, it's taking more of your time and more of your love than what you're giving to God. And so I think that's something to consider when we look at that First Corinthians chapter 16 is uh, don't six. let or chapter six, sorry. Uh, don't let anything be your master except for God. Yep, absolutely. So to summarize, Josh, go ahead. Summarize <clears throat> this for us. All right, so uh, our summary verse here is Galatians chapter four, verses 21 through 31. It's a lengthy one. And it says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, 
one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be the slaves. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. So it is now also. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the sons of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. So cast out the law because we are now under grace. That's what that whole set of verses is talking about, that whole passage. Exactly. Yeah. And we, we, get, a, we get a prequel into Jesus Christ and what he did um, through the promise that was made with, uh, with Isaac. Um, that the that uh, that a seed would come, and that a covenant, another covenant would come, and so we have that in the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes us free, um, and so that's what it's referencing in the in the free woman. Yep. All right. So, also to summarize, again, we said it: cast out the law, for it has fulfilled its purpose as a tutor. Live as slaves to Christ. For guess what? If you're a Christian, you are one, whether or not you realize it. And how is this exemplified? Well, it is via our sanctification, which we talked about last week. Being a slave to Christ or being a slave to righteousness means that you are being sanctified and the fruit of the Spirit are growing while you're also doing away with the old fleshly things. Secondly, or thirdly, enjoy the freedom from the law. You want to have a drink with dinner? Do it. You want to watch a sports game on Sunday? Go ahead. You want to work on the Sabbath? Sure. Because guess what? You're free to do it. And finally, Acts 13 verses 38 through 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Josh, how do we apply this then? So again, do not consider yourselves as under the law any longer. Our sanctification is the slavery to righteousness, which is what we talked about. And again, if you want to enjoy the penny slot once, twice, when you pass the casino, have at it. Just don't bet the house at the poker table. Exactly. Don't be mastered by the penny slots. Yeah. So to finish up, guys, if you have any prayer requests or praises, please send them to walkinthelight at walkinthelightsp.com. Again, that is walkinthelight at walkinthelightsp.com. You can also send your questions, comments, concerns. Our topic for next week is how do we limit our freedom in Christ? And if you like what we're doing here and you want more daily doses of hope and scripture, follow us at our other social media accounts. Our Twitter account is walkin underscore the light, all one word or phrase, and it's all lowercase. Our Facebook is walkin the light, and our Instagram is walkin the light SP. Awesome. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful rest of the day. God bless. God bless unto you.